When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Friday, December 8th. Brendan, the winter meetings have come and gone with little to report, especially on the Cubs end. Uh, And I think more than usual, our caveat at the beginning of this episode is that it is pre-recorded. And could be outdated very quickly, Brendan. Right away. Within 10 minutes of you and I starting this, there could be news. Tyler Glasnow could sign any second, Corey. Right. Or be traded for, not signed. So, Maybe signed too. please just keep in mind, if we talk about something that has changed and you're like, wait a minute, that guy signed with the Reds. Two These two ago. guys are idiots. Right. We yes. are, but not because of that. Yes. Yeah. For just other keep things. that in mind. Of course, we're reading your comments, interacting on YouTube in the replies, uh, but do just remember that, especially this time of year, things get outdated very quickly. So we are only talking about things that have not happened as we record this. That's if Tyler Glass now is acquired, let's say 50 minutes through this episode, would you be upset that we have to do an entirely new episode? No, because, so as we've said, the CHGO Cubs team in some form or fashion will be live if there is a need for an emergency podcast, breaking news, we will cover it uh, and you will have that instant reaction. The Craig Council News, CHGO Cubs was live on YouTube, I think within five minutes of that signing. So we will cover it. We will have the breaking news, uh, but... Until then, yes, I would generally prefer that our episode not be outdated that quickly. But I feel like that's just the the luck of the draw, man. Like over the years, even when you and I were only doing an audio-only podcast, like there was plenty of times where I feel like stuff happened like right after, you know, the morning after we had had a discussion. Oh, all the time. All the time. But this is the business, Corey. This is what we signed up for. And I'll take it. If there's an emergency podcast, generally, that's good. Most of the time, that's good. 
unless sure. you Darvish is traded on a late December evening right. and it ruins the next three of years of our episodes. lives. Yes. No, I think that was, that was probably awful. the most expletives you and I have laid in. I did that episode outside yeah. in my parents' house in Arizona by the pool with those terrible headphones you currently have on right now. That was my microphone. Just Great. spouting off nonsense. Which we were right, by the way, just saying. Great. Uh, yeah, so winter meetings have come and gone. Shout out to our CHGO Cubs crew. Both our Cubs crew and our Sox crew were out at the winter meetings in Nashville. Great job by our guys, Luke, Cody, and Ryan throughout the week. Really great coverage. Great interview uh, with John Morosi. Uh, some other folks they had on there. They had Ben Zobrist back ben Zobrist. on the podcast. So please do go and check out the CHGO Sports YouTube page. Check out all the coverage uh, from our crew out there in Nashville. I know our guy Ryan Herrera had some great written content, got some great video content from the interviews and press conferences and stuff. So uh, please do check all that out. Uh, it was a really great week of coverage from the rest of our CHGO Cubs team. Uh, but Brendan, that all brings us here. And this is an odd episode, I think, because I think <sighs> a lot of people were expecting more action at the winter meetings. So Jamer Candelario is off the board. He goes to the Reds on a three-year deal. Juan Soto is off the board. The Yankees, Brian Cashman, the team to pull the trigger on that and send over the big prospect package to the San Diego Padres. But we still wait for Shohei Otani. We still continue to read the rumors about the aforementioned Tyler Glass now or Shane Bieber. We heard more talk of Christopher Morell. We heard potential talk that the president of baseball operations of our favorite baseball team was sternly speaking to reporters sternly to ask them to speaking. stop speaking about Christopher Morell in certain yes. respects. At least that I think that was where we landed on what that conversation was about. Who knows, right? So the winter meetings really didn't produce that much action. So how do you feel as we sit here today? I feel slightly more anxious. Yeah. We, got, <laughs> we got news that it appears as if Otani is leading towards the Dodgers or the Blue Jays, the Cubs, at least currently as of... December 7th evening, it does not appear as if the Cubs are above the Blue Jays or the Dodgers. Right. In now, I will contest. say to jump in there, though, like, I think like Mark Feinsand, I think even Jeff Passan in some of the conversations, they have still included the Cubs as being potentially in the mix. Listen, all right, I'm just going to operate as if it's not happening. Okay. Yeah. I've already, I'm done. I can't do this to myself anymore. But I, I really did think, and I said this last show, that Shohei would have signed by now. And it's because he did not sign that you and I have no moves to talk about other than the Juan yeah. Soto and Jamer Candelario decisions. This is what happens. Until Shohei signs, then the corresponding moves are not going to happen. Then we'll yeah. see Yamamoto. Then maybe we'll see trades and signings across the board. But until Otani signs, this is what it is. Right. And... You know, and of course, Cody Bellinger, right? Who That know, one's going to be a late one, I feel like. Sure, but it, like you know, it does January seem, you know, the deal. Yankees did seem like one of the potential best suitors there. True. And so I think that at least, we've talked a lot about how teams would have to pivot when any of these dominoes fell. And that is certainly one that the Cubs, 
if they're interested in keeping Cody Bellinger, especially if they're interested in keeping him at a relatively lower price. Yeah. I don't think that hurts. The Yankees aren't the only team that are going to be bidding or were going to be bidding on Bellinger's services, but that was definitely one of the most talked about, I think, potential landing spots. So if they have obviously found themselves uh, a new outfielder, a new left-handed power hitter, perhaps they are out on that conversation. How do you feel, Corey? Because I knew... Everything? Yeah, I knew. I knew. Our our off-the-air conversations, I knew... If Soto was traded and Otani's potential as a, as a Cub is low, you would not be in a good mental spot. And I kind of sense that you're not in a good mental spot right now. It's a tough and spot. You, the the it really size is. says it all, folks. I So there is a lot, I think, with any of these conversations, right? Like there is a ton of of runway left in this offseason. Oh yeah. Right? Like that's yeah. the thing. And 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 I think, you know, something that's been frustrating on like Twitter, for example, is the lack of like nuance in any discussion or the lack of multiple things to be true for a lot of people, right? Like, um, because I was looking at the a thread from friend of the podcast, Michael Cerami from Bleacher Nation, where he was talking about, you know, if the rumblings on Otani, right? Which they kind of change day to day. But like, if the rumblings were true and Soto's going to the Yankees and et cetera, et cetera, like it's just a lot of like big time stars, like generational potential stars that have moved even in this off season, let alone going to pass off seasons, Mookie Betts, guys like that, right? Like Bryce Paul Goldschmidt, Paul et Goldschmidt. cetera. Yeah. And the Cubs are just not in on him, Bryce Harper, right? Like not even just a trade, like free agency. And he was getting like attacked for as if the off season was over. And he was like, listen, I know it's not over. I'm just based on what we're hearing right now. If it played out that way, this is how I'm feeling. And so I find myself somewhere in the middle of all of this, which is an impossible place to be if you're tweeting about it, right? Like I am getting impatient. I will admit that. I am getting a little, I would say nervous, you know, Um, but at the same time, like as you and I are recording this, Shohei Otani does not have a new team. He has not signed a new contract. Neither has Yamamoto, neither has Cody Bellinger, neither is most of this market, right? So there is a ton of runway left. I know I think Jesse Rogers mentioned that there's trades that teams talk about that aren't including names that are you know, actively being thrown about. So there's always stuff that can happen under the radar. Um, The Cubs were never mentioned as a destination for Craig Council. They were never mentioned as a potential suitor, even until five minutes before, right? 30 seconds before. I don't think anybody had ever even discussed them as an option for (laughs) Craig Council. I'm talking about reporters, not like fans wishing that they would do it. So you just never know, right? That being said, I, I am getting a little impatient and nervous. And I think where that stemmed from, Brendan, is that a lot of people were reading the Soto Yankee stuff heating up. And then obviously, eventually that did happen and is done. They're reading, you know, some of the reporters saying the Cubs are out on Otani. Jed Hoyer saying that's not true. Other reporters saying that's not true. Right. But you're reading all this. You're putting it together. And 
then it's like, well, what if they did Glass now, Hoskins, and some yeah, relief Yeah, you start depth. spiraling out. And, and you start seeing those discussions of, of like, what does the pivot look like if they end up having to yeah. pivot, right? And I was reading a lot of those going like, yeah, this isn't good enough. Like, <laughs> this is a decent offseason in some ways, but it isn't good enough. And so we quickly, like, as a collective mind on social media, this went from, happens. like, dreaming massively to, like, really tempered expectations. And I was like, okay, this is what's making me nervous. Like, and it's all hypothetical at this point. But I was reading it going like, yeah, man, if that is where they end up, I'm not going to be happy, you know? This was the potential cause of angst going into the offseason, describing it as an ambitious offseason, because sure. we we know what needs to occur. We know the improvements are going to require a Bellinger and an additional player, which appears quite difficult for Jed to accomplish while improving the back end of the rotation and improving the bullpen. And doing this all within the constraints of a real luxury tax and financial implication. We'll get into all of those uh, fine details, I'm sure, in the show. From my perspective now, on December 7th, with Juan Soto being traded to the Yankees and seeing that package of players, I'm understanding why the Cubs did not acquire Juan Soto. I understand the value that the Yankees gave up in Michael King and Drew Thorpe and the three additional players. I understand the values quite high for the Padres in return. Where I'm left at in a more surface level thinking is that currently the Cubs have never in the past seven years had this, as Craig Council described, prospect capital. That's what Council referred this group as. Simultaneously with right now the budget standing around 180-ish million, it's 90 million of payroll flexibility before, before that third tier of the luxury tax at 277. The the combination of prospect capital and around 90 million of payroll flexibility, you would imagine aligns perfectly for a Juan Soto trade. If there's ever a time to acquire a generational hitter in the likes of Ted Williams and these truly historical figures, it would have been right now. I don't ever imagine the Cubs being in position to acquire a player like that yeah. now. Would I have traded Kate Horton for Juan Soto plus Major League value plus other prospects? I probably would have said no. Then again, my thinking with this is that it is Jed's responsibility to creatively find ways to make trades like this happen. If you look and at he the still new, might. and he still might, and I'm hoping he does, and I feel good about the direction of the organization as a whole. Like Craig Council being hired and David Ross being fired, David Ross did a lot of good. The front office has done a lot of good. But if there's a scenario where there becomes a front office executive or a group of front office executives that appear quite tantalizing for, for Tom Ricketts, I would have no issue then moving on like they did with David Ross. But keeping in with this context, with Jed Hoyer 
and looking at the New York Yankees package of players given up, the Yankees didn't give up their top three prospects. I think it's really notable to mention that. Yes, they gave up major league value. Yes, they gave up Michael King. Nevertheless, when we look at projections, part of Michael King's projection is that he's 28 years old. He was a swing man last year. And the range of projections are quite wide, even though he has a very high ceiling, right? Jed's goal and Jed's responsibility is to make trades while keeping the top end prospect capital. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. Like Juan Soto was not on the Cubs. It was a very difficult ask, but the Yankees did accomplish that. They did yeah. keep their top end prospect capital. And I, I think it's really important to recognize where I differ in front office executives differ. Number one, I'm a dumb fan, so that needs to be laid out perfectly. But where I differ and where I've grown over the years is that I'm more urgent upfront. I'm more sure. willing to risk it more upfront. And the amount of wins you get from Juan Soto in 2024 is enormous. We're talking yeah. minimum five wins upwards to eight wins. That really does move your win projection upwards to probable playoff scenario. And you can still get there, but he's the most certain player you can ever acquire. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, as we said, like there, there's still plenty of time for Jed to use that prospect capital in someone like Tyler Glass now, someone like Shane Bieber, someone that we're not thinking about. I right? just, I do think it's, it's, it is disappointing that they weren't, they, that didn't happen. Again, I'm now, not saying that was a sure. bad thing to miss out on. Sure, and the but Jed I, is like, it's and his I mistake. will say, like in reading about it, it does seem again how much of these reports is like true or you know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. You never know, but it did sound as though the Cubs were interested and maybe made some calls, but the Yankees found felt in a position where they were not really waiting on Shohei Otani like the Cubs possibly are. And Brian Cashman said, I'm doing this. Like, yeah. I'm going to push the offer. I'm going to, I'm going to make it so San Diego cannot say no. And they have to say yes right now because yeah. I'm not waiting for Otani to go somewhere else and then for someone to steal Juan Soto from me. Right. So that, that's part of the balance. Right. Jed I, I, I just hate having priorities and say again. I just hate having those conversations. Well, there's nothing you could do. Like, I just don't like having that conversation because we don't know, right? Sure. Like, you don't know what the alternative is. Maybe there is something that could have been done, right? And I'm not bashing wow. Jed. I'm not saying, oh, Jed's, you know, this is it's his fault we didn't get Juan Soto. No, I'm just hoping, and we've talked about this for years, I am really hoping for a trade where it doesn't look obvious and it happens like how correct council was signed surprisingly i'm waiting for yeah. one of those trades well and so after this week too like you know alex verdugo was traded from the red sox to the yankees like you look back at that mookie Betts trade i mean the, yeah. the red sox turned mookie Betts into a steaming pile of garbage that's what that trade resulted in it yeah. did absolutely nothing for the boston red sox organization yeah and so what you're alluding to is i want to be on this the other side of that at some point like i want to be the dodgers acquiring mookie bets yeah. and looking back a few years later and being like <laughs> you know like that was a joke of a trade right yeah, like that trade in, in the history of that trade it first started with a three-team deal and it fell apart right. that was with kenta maeda in minnesota it fell apart but initially it involved a three-team construct yeah so I, it was creative I, so 
he, here's what I would say on the Juan Soto stuff. Like, I, I, I wanted them to do that. He's an unbelievable player. And I think the tricky part of this offseason in particular, each offseason is different, but I think where this offseason differs from last year, if you just want to compare it to last year, like, great shortstop class, right? But most of them, you know, on the older-ish side in, in some cases and signing massive deals and, you know, certain health issues, debatable sort of like where they fit into like the star status of the league. I think for all of them, right? This offseason's different. Like in in terms of Otani and Juan Soto in particular, because we all assumed, as was proven correct, that Juan Soto was available, you are talking about like the absolute top tier of Major League Baseball players that are potentially available to you, right? And so it doesn't have to be Juan Soto that, they use this prospect capital to improve with. It doesn't have to be Shohei Otani that they go out and sign the biggest contract in Chicago Cubs history. It doesn't have to be those two guys, but there's not a lot of players in their stratosphere. And so I think that's where you have people. And again, by the time we record this, maybe Shohei Otani's a Cub, right? <laughs> Amazing, right? This episode will never go out if that happens, by that's the way. That's true. Yeah. But- it's it's one of those where it's like at some point I want the Cubs to be in on these absolute stars. Yeah. And this is where I was saying that the sort of trouble with social media is that there's no ability for multiple things to be true, right? I want them to get stars. I want them to be the team making the biggest move of the offseason. If they don't, though, that doesn't mean they can't be successful. And that's where the sort of nuance is lost in a lot of these Absolutely. social media it, discussions. If I say that on Twitter, like right now, right, like I'm so pissed they didn't get Juan Soto, a bunch of the replies are going to be, there's a lot of time left. What right. if they got this? I didn't say that I didn't say that they couldn't still, right. still do it. It doesn't mean I don't want Juan Soto, though. And like you look back, man, and part of the reason everybody – not just because they're so good, but because of what they represent. Like you go back so long, right? The the money wasn't there. The timing wasn't right for Bryce Harper, right? And we don't have to relitigate all of these, but like they they weren't the team that made the Mookie Betts move. They weren't the team that made the like Matt Olson move like the Braves did. They weren't the team that made the Nolan Arenado move, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? A lot of really Big time star players have moved in the last several yeah. years, and the Cubs have been in on none of them. I, that's I, disappointing to a degree, right? Like, yeah, and and that's just in a vacuum, right? Like, I I Brian Cashman said this, right? And Brian Cashman is is not a a perfect baseball executive. If you talk to fans in New York, they would have run him out of there several years ago. Whatever, right? But he said about Juan Soto that it 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 reminded him of George Steinbrenner's like philosophy about the New York Yankees. And that was that the best players in the world should play baseball in New York for the New York Yankees. Yeah. I want that attitude. I want that to happen. I'm not going to apologize for that. It doesn't mean that the 2024 Chicago Cubs cannot be good without Juan Soto or Shohei Otani. It does not mean that there's no possible path for this offseason to be successful without those guys. But like, I am not at all ashamed to say, like, I want the Cubs to get stars, the best players in the world, not 
build an off season of five guys where it's like, yeah, maybe this could work out, right? Like, I don't think that's a crazy thing for us to say, right? I think we have a tendency to zoom in on the current free agent market and the current trade market in the upcoming season for better and for worse. However, to your point, if you zoom out and you evaluate the Cubs in a five-year window, as front offices project five, 10-year windows for playoff possibilities and World Series probability. So it just happens to be about the same length as your new manager is signed. Yeah. So funny if how you, that works. If you zoom out, when you and I express disappointments about not getting Juan Soto, what we're saying is, what we're not saying is, I wish they traded Kate Horton and our top prospects. That's not what we're saying. What I'm saying is, I I somewhat loathe is a very strong word. So I don't want to use the word it loathe, is. but I can't find a different, uh, a, a softer word right now. So okay. I'm going to stick with it. I loathe the situation that the Cubs are in where the context doesn't align with getting Juan Soto. How does that happen? I'm not sure. I do a show with you once a week, and then I go do something else for the next Hopefully, Jed was busy locking down Shohei, and sure, then it's like, oh, maybe great, that's, that's a great reason, yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that's what it is. But what I'm hoping for is that the context does align for these moves to happen, and to get more like nitty-gritty, uh, nitty-gritty, nitty uh, detailed on like the fine resolution. The trade deadline last year was a good example where the Cubs were hamstrung because they made poor free agent signings and some good ones prior to 2023. The proximity to the first tier of the luxury tax at the trade le- deadline prohibited them from acquiring better relievers and more reliable relievers in addition to Jose Guas. That's a, that's a fact. In 2024, because they missed the mark on Tucker Barnhart and Trey Mancini, $10 million could be the difference in them acquiring Shane Bieber, who's projected to make $15 million or so in arbitration, versus Tyler Glasnow, who's projected, not projected, actually going to make $25 million. That's a $10 million difference. So you zoom out. And you look at the deals that were made and the lack of deals that were made, everything has consequential effects. So I I don't like talking about Juan Soto and, and Shohei Otani and these trades and lack of trades without without also thinking about the context and the previous moves over the years that got them in this situation. And again, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good going forward, but most front offices are middling. There's only a few good front offices in the league that stick around. The Dodgers are one of them. The Braves appear to be on that trajectory, and the Rays are an incubator for big market teams. That's how it's been for the past decade. The Cubs are not in that tier right now. They're trending towards that tier. Craig Breslow was poached from this front office. It appears quite good for their future. Is it good enough? These are the off seasons that define if it's good enough. I hope it is. I'm still holding that hope, and there's a lot of runway left for it. Yeah, so we'll we'll hit our first ad break here. Um, again, it's it's a very nuanced discussion. Like that's why it can go on for so long. That's why there's so many different angles of it. 
Um, I mean, are we being negative? You think? Do you think we're being no, negative? I don't, I don't think, think so. we're being negative. I don't think so. Yeah. No. I mean, it's, listen. It's, I again, I I don't know how much clearer we can be that there is a ton of off season left. There are a ton of players available, and there is obviously any number of paths for Jed Hoyer to make this team better, win the division, and get us to a place where everybody's happy and vibing at Wrigley Field again, right? Yeah. I don't know how much clearer we could be about that. I will not at the same time. And I'm not writing off Shohei. I don't think we have, right? But I am not going to apologize or feel wrong about wanting this team who is valued at the value they're at, who charges the ticket prices that they do, right? And whose entire brass has been talking about winning and not making the playoffs, not being good, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to apologize for holding them or wanting to hold them to the absolute highest standard. And you right? should. You and should. that you... involves getting the best players. So there's plenty of time for Jed to do that. And I hope that he does. But Juan Soto was an opportunity to do that. It's okay that they didn't. But it's also, I think, okay for fans to wish that they had done that and been the team that does that. Because and here's what I'll we'll finish with, and we'll hit our first ad break. You can look at the tra- the prospect capital that the Yankees sent. You can parse over their rankings in the MLB pipeline, this, that, and the other. Talk about Juan Soto only having one year on his deal, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, the New York Yankees have Juan Soto in the middle of their lineup, and nobody else does. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And that's, that's where I fall back in some discipline. Appointment. Let's do this first ad break here. Come back around. I do want to talk. I don't know what you have on schedule here, but I do want to talk about some of the payroll implications for 2024 with the remaining free agents and with whom the Cubs have been connected. Because I think it does provide some some ideas of how Jed could operate from, from here on out. So let's hit our first ad break here. Corey, it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. That's something we all can get behind. For the health of the planet and for all the well-being for all of us who share it. That's right, Brendan. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So what should business owners do? Go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? That's right, Brendan. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. CHGO is supported, Corey, also, by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. They have a deep beer roster. The Oktoberfest, the Beer Hug Family, the 312 Wheat Ale, and the Full Pocket Pilsner. The Everyday Beer is what the brewers are drinking. Grab Ultra Fresh Brewery exclusive beers at Goose Island's Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. All right, Brendan. Yeah, I needed. I needed some three one two throughout those winter meetings. Yeah, um, just a very I need some right now. Very stressful time. Yeah, still um, stressed. Yeah. So 
there, I, there's a lot of ways to go here, but I, I think that sort of finishes the sort of like big fish conversation. Again, like the, the Shohei stuff is not resolved. And by all accounts, they want, you know, he's wanted the teams to shut up about the whole process. And we've heard basically nothing from the Chicago Cubs. I, what I want really, Brendan, is nothing more than for when Craig Council was asked like 20 minutes after Dave Roberts said that they had met with him. And Craig Council was like, no, I've never met with him. I want so bad to learn that that was a lie. And Craig was just ready. He knew yeah. to shut up. And Dave Roberts did not. Right? I want that so bad. I mean, I wish I could have seen Dave Roberts' face when he read that text message. Yeah. I was hoping we would get that. I was searching for it, but we never got it. What a what a mistake. How stupid can you be? He I mean, I known. like I would be shocked if that like cost them anything. But either way, from a leverage perspective, I'm hoping it does. You shouldn't say that either. You know, Dave what I mean? Roberts so, cost you ten million dollars. Yeah, added to the contract. Uh, That's that your penalty. Great, but yeah. yeah, I would love for not because like when we saw that video and you were like, well, Craig said he didn't meet with him. You know, or we got that video. I was like, what if he's lying? <laughs> Like, <laughs> that's what I want, you know? Him and yeah. Jed were in a back room somewhere going, do not say anything. We say nothing, right? Well, anyway. when do you think the Cubs met with Shohei? Because Jed was late on I don't the first day of meetings. Let, I don't think you and I should talk about it. Oh, that's right, you know. What if uh, Shohei watches this show? He does. I'm sorry. Sorry. I know. Did I cost a Cubs Shohei Otani? I don't Fire know. me. Fire um, me. Yeah, I... I don't know. There, there's a lot of differing reports. It depends who you believe. We'll see, right? I believe Bob Nightingale. He's my guy. He said the Cubs are out. I know. Be oh. sarcastic, Corey. No. Be, I, I sold like, it well, That's the wrong guy. I sold anyway. it well. Is it Nightingale? Is that how you say his last name? Yeah. I don't think he deserves for me to say his last name properly, if no, I'm being probably honest. Not. Yeah. So there are a lot of other rumors uh, you know this is where we have to kind of direct things uh the tyler glass now stuff still heating up uh but there's been mentioned that other teams are interested uh so you know at least as far as we're recording this that's not like some slam dunk um as it has kind of appeared maybe at times a lot of reese hoskins chatter um as well to the Cubs. I think that would make sense, but you know, that definitely feels like more of a C kind of move, right? Yeah. Like not your primary move to, to address the offense. Cody Bellinger still out there, of course, still connected to the Cubs, but a lot of the thinking is kind of like the Cubs hoping to wait that out and for Cody to need to come back for a more reasonable contract, maybe not too dissimilar from the Dansby Swanson situation, right? Maybe. See everybody sign a bunch of these massive deals, hope Cody doesn't get one and say, hey, how about seven at, you know, a really nice price? And then he goes, yeah, sure. I love playing at Wrigley Field. <laughs> so we're still waiting, still trying to piece it together. Um, but I don't think, you and I talked about Glass now pretty extensively last week. So if you want our thoughts on that, uh, you can check out our episode from last Friday, the, you know, too long, didn't read version. We'd like him. The Cubs should do that. We would like him in the rotation. We talked a lot about his potential limitations, needing more depth, uh, you know, as he's only thrown 120 innings in his career one time, and that was last year, et cetera, et cetera. Our full thoughts in the last episode. I don't think we've talked about Reese Hoskins, though, at all. So I do want to take at least just a second to offer a thought on that in case that happens at some point. I think, you know, even that, like if he, at this point, we'll take any signing. I think <laughs> we would just jump on and do a, an emergency show, even if it was a short one. I mean, dangerous um, words, but sure. Yeah, just because 
something would have happened, right? Sure. Um, I I like the idea. Uh, I'm I, I like the idea of adding Reese Hoskins, but like I said, uh, not as a primary offensive move. And I think, to me, again, like I go back to basically how I positioned this offseason the entire time, right? I want to end this offseason feeling like the prohibitive favorite in the National League Central. That's like my baseline goal for this team. It's a division that is begging for somebody to grab it by the neck and take control, right? The Cardinals have added to the rotation, but not in a way that is like striking fear in anybody. It's a rather old rotation. Some guys definitely pass their prime, right? And at least at the moment, things can always change. Like they're not giving the impression of like, hey, we're rebuilding ourselves into like the juggernaut of the NL Central, right? The Brewers lose Craig Council to the Chicago Cubs. Uh, they lose David Stearns to the New York Mets, Brandon Woodruff, they let go, you know, they don't want to hold on to him, you know, while he's rehabbing and stuff. There was an article the other day that I was reading about how they may continue to unload some guys. And, you know, maybe they're kind of in the process of going backwards, maybe not like pushing forward on this particular group that they have. Pirates and Reds, Reds making some moves, Jamer Candelario. But, you know, again, like nobody in this division has planted that flag of like, we are running away with this division. We are better than all of you. And we know it. I'd like the Cubs to do that. And in order to get there, you have to remember, right? Like Cody Bellinger and his production currently not here anymore. Marcus Stroman and his production currently not here anymore. And I was in the camp, and I think you were too, of being totally fine, if not glad that he opted out, right? I wanted the flexibility. But you can't forget, though, like he has given you, he's a very reliable bet to go at least 25 starts, if not closer to 30, of pretty solid pitching, right? He was a Cy Young candidate for the first portion of the season. He got hurt. Obviously, he was not good in those starts before his injury why they brought him back and went about that at the end of the year, we'll never really know. That was a mess, right? But that's still a lot of starts, a lot of innings of very high-quality pitching, right, that you have to replace. And if we want the team to get better, you have to add on to the production from those guys that you are missing. So my initial thought with Hoskins is like, yeah, I'm into it. Obviously, there's some risk coming off the injury, hasn't played in a while, but if he can be the the bat that he had been pretty consistently for the Phillies, I like that a lot at first base. And it significantly raises the floor on the absolute mess that they started at first base to begin 2023, right? And kind of continued with for several months. So I'm into it, but not as a primary move. It depends how the contract is structured. If it's a multi-year sure, deal, I, I might have some issues with it. If it's a one-year Bellinger-esque deal for $18 million to $22 million, sure, I'm I'm fine with that. At some point, I want to look at a projection and not, and not be concerned about it. Sure. I want to look at a 90-win projection and be like, all right, that makes a lot of sense. I don't want to look at 85 wins. 86 wins, 87 wins, and think about the worst-case scenario. I don't want to do that anymore. With Hoskins, the numbers absent of an injury are quite appealing. He's 
a guy who's made good contact, 75% contact rate, about league average, someone who has above average power, hit 30 home runs in 2022, someone who's had a good stretch of health outside of that freak leg injury in spring training. It makes sense that, again, he's entering 31 years old. He hasn't played baseball, a baseball game, when April comes around in 18 months. As a result, there is uncertainty there. Right. Cannot ignore that. When I look at the Cubs roster, I look at Justin Steele. I look at the current Cubs lineup. I look at even Christopher Morrell. I see a lot of high ceiling guys. I also see guys who you have to account for perhaps not living up to their average projection due to their histories. Yeah, We have to account for Justin Steele's late development and his forearm strain last year. And likewise, we have to account for Reese Hoskins' injury and the uncertainty with his age. The Cubs have made mistakes signing aging free agents. Look no further than Trey Mancini, for example. There's a, a high degree of uneasiness that I have with Reese Hoskins if what you said He's made as one of the primary moves. The problem I have is when Reese Hoskins is signed, if he's signed, $20 million to that payroll. That puts him now around $200 million in committed payroll. All of a sudden, you're on $30 million before that first tier of the tax. You add glass now to that. Now you're at $225 million. Now you're... Eight million away from that first tier tax. That's where they were last year entering the season. Okay, at that 225 mark. Now let's go out and make another trade. Let's go out and, and sign another guy for 20, 25 million. All of a sudden, you're at 250 million dollars. You're above the first tier. You're inching towards that second tier, and you're basically 15 to 20 million away from having a pillow of that third tier before you enter the trade deadline of 2024. So you can start seeing how these expensive moves with the uncertainty of these guys, including hypothetically glass now and not being able to slot in innings, you see a high payroll, but you also see a high, a high degree of uncertainty that I don't like. Now to bring this all together, Hoskins, Bellinger, and glass now. Bellinger, 30 million. Hoskins, 20 million. That's 50 million. Glass now at 25, 75 million. Right now, they're around 185 ish. Okay. You're at $260 million. These are all very, very back of the napkin calculations. You're $15 million or so away from that third tier. And you already restrict your potential to get other guys. You need bullpen help. You need pitching depth. And you need a pillow for improvement at the trade deadline if you don't want to go over that third tier of the tax and lose draft pick positioning. This is a very difficult ask and a lot of uncertainty giving out that money for those guys. Yeah, I I think that that's one of the things that's come up for me. I use the term uncertainty, and I've kind of used the the term reliably when I'm talking about some of this stuff, because I think where the 
and again, all this is hypothetical. Like th- th- we're talking about these guys because that's what like the current rumor set is, right? Like who knows what they're actually working on or interested in. But like my thing is like Glass now, and we talked about this a lot. He is awesome. His ceiling is unbelievable. His stuff is unbelievable. His potential is absolutely at the top in terms of pitchers, right, in this league. But for various reasons, injuries are coming out of the bullpen, being sent to the minors, et cetera. He has only pitched 120 innings one time in his career. And most of the other years, it was far less than that. So what you're projecting, how many starts, does he stay healthy through those starts? Is he a new man after his surgery and he can go 120 innings again? No problem. You just don't know right? The answer could be very positive. It could be very negative. We don't know. So when I is, he is unquestionably a better pitcher than Marcus Stroman. It's not even a real conversation that you should be having, but Stroman has been a very reliable bet to eat a certain number of innings at a certain quality. Glass now has not. So the issue then becomes, okay, do you have enough depth to cover this? Because last year, the inability for so many starters to go deep as frequently as it happened, that also plays a role in the bullpen falling apart because they needed to cover so many innings. So reliability, I I think you and I are on the same page. Like I'm into a lot of these moves, but at some point you want to be adding guys that are really easily projectable and reliable. And because you also look at this roster and you have to remember that there's a lot of things that can go very different ways right? Is, say, a Suzuki the player he was the last two months of those season, of the 2023 season? I am on record pretty much every time I've ever been in front of a microphone as saying, yes, I do believe that's the player he is. Do do the Cubs consider your opinion on their projections? Yes. They do. Okay. But like, he also was very inconsistent prior to that. Which version are you getting? You got a ton of really good production from Mike Talkman. Are you getting that again? Is PCA yeah. going to have a Corbin Carroll-esque rookie eater and take the league by storm and Jan put Gomes. up four or five war in center field? Or is he going to have some more growing pains, which at his age and career level would be totally normal and not really that crazy, right? So there's just a lot of questions. Kyle Hendricks, how does he hold up? Javier Assad, Jordan Wicks, if you put them in the rotation, give them a full year starting at the major league level, how does that go? Who knows? Miguel, Miguel Amaya. Jan Which Gomes. person is Jamison Tyone? I don't know, right? See, this is, this is where the uneasiness comes so, in. So the reason that you look at a player like Juan Soto, again, because he's Juan Soto, but because he's like a lock to be a certain level of player. You can just write it down, right? I always bring this up, but like Ben Zobris is such a good example of this. He's obviously not as good as Juan Soto, right? Uh, but like you just knew what he was going to do. Right. So when you're looking at like the 2016 Chicago Cubs who do go on to win the World Series, World Series correct, yes. there's a ton of questions going into that season. Does Chris Bryant live up to his rookie de- year? He, in fact, was better and he won did. the MVP. Yeah. MVP, great. correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, does do all your rookies stay healthy? The answer was no. Right. You lost one of them four days into the season. Right? I was there for that. It's my fault. Do some of these other guys develop and, or do they need time and have growing pains, et cetera? Does Anthony Rizzo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you know where there wasn't a question with Ben Zobrist. And that's a huge reason why they added it. In addition to that, 
high degree of certainty, generational certainty with John Lester leading your rotation. You could mark in 200 innings for John Lester, an unbelievable luxury. Simultaneously, Jake Arrieta coming off one of, if not the best second halves in major league history, you can slot in two starting pitchers with Cy Young potential and the capacity to start 33 games with 200 innings. That certainty is something that's not even on the Cubs potential radar next year, unless you trade these top prospects. Yeah. So again, like it, it it's not always necessary to compare everything to the 2016 Cubs. That won the World Series. Series. Yeah, that's why we do it. The reason I bring it up is because reliability is important in building a roster and setting how you feel about a team. And again, there's a lot of things that we just talked about. I I hope, and in a lot of cases, I believe they're going to go the right way. They're going to lean towards a more positive outcome. I think Jamison Tyone is the pitcher we saw more in the second half, and I think they'll be able to work on a lot of those troubles he dealt with, and he'll be a better pitcher. I think he, I, I have no issue believing that and saying that. I think Seiya Suzuki is a, a, a really, really good hitter, and I think he's going to be we're going to see more of those types of stretches where he fits in in the top 10 in all of baseball, right, over periods of time than the other stuff. I really do believe that, right? I believe PCA is going to be a, a, a really good player in this league, but it doesn't mean that those questions are answered, right? There's still questions. So when we look at some of these guys in the offseason, that's one of my initial, like, I'm interested, but, right? Like there's still questions attached. And at some point, you know, you don't want to build too many risks. And, you know, as we've seen in the years past, like too many things you need to go right that could go either way, right? I just need a little more certainty in some of this stuff. So I I, I would love the idea of adding Tyler Glass yeah. now. I, I would absolutely love to go to beautiful historic Wrigley Field on a Friday afternoon at 120. It's 75 degrees, and Tyler Glass now is throwing 99-mile-an-hour fastballs on the black. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's a vision I want to live in, right? But does that put this rotation in a better place than last year? I don't know that that's a clear answer. In terms of potential, in terms of when Glass now is on the field, Absolutely. But in terms of how they cover all of those innings and how they do so reliably and comfortably without having that bleed over into the bullpen and things like that, I don't know. I yeah. don't know if that question is answered, right? Before I do the second ad break here, I can use your exact philosophy and argue why Juan Soto was not a good idea Ooh. for Jed to trade for. Yeah, do that. Right? So. But this this is it comes back before I make that argument, it comes back full circle of why I'm uneasy about this team right now. And I've always been like this, even dating back to like the, the middle of the of the season last year. You laid out all these uncertainties with their core players, say Suzuki, Justin Steele, etc. etc. Well, some of them. Hear me out. I don't really have too much uncertainty about Steele. Well, you have to Maybe I more so do on stability and durability. We are always scared about pitchers. I am. That's why John Lester. I was never scared about John Lester. Did you ever hear me freak out about John Lester? Honest to God, never, right? I need that in my life again somehow. Yeah. 
<laughs> but if if you can make the argument that because of the uncertainty projecting the future for the Cubs, acquiring Juan Soto and putting your win projection from 85 to 88, 89, 80, you know, 90, it might it might make sense. But if you look at it in a fiber window, which is ever which is what everyone's going to come back and saying why they didn't want to trade Juan Soto, it may not have resulted in the most playoff opportunities, right? Therefore, because we have all this uncertainty with the major league roster, I need to account for that risk by retaining the high volume of prospect capital, right? And I think that's obviously what Jed Hoyer is doing and is obviously how he's operated under the past three to four years. Now, bring this full circle with my angst, I operate as, again, I always preface this as a dumb fan, my risk weights are quite different. And I think there is some validity to this because while I don't want to trade the entire farm system for Juan Soto and give out all this money up front to front load everything and leave the team susceptible to decline in the immediate future, there's still a huge, I mean, massive degree of uncertainty in projecting teams. I always use this analogy. If you bring a a projected model to a company and you say, hey, here's my great new model. It has a standard deviation of, you know, 30% error. You are fired. You are not getting that job. The ability to project baseball is so damn hard, Corey. Therefore, if there is an opportunity to win up front, I am going to take that while still accounting for the risk a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. And where my angst lies is that I feel as if Jed is accounting for risk a little bit too much. And I don't know if it's because of the recent history and not developing prospects at the anticipated rate. Nevertheless, it appears as if he's operating in a much larger window and I don't think you can project that long-term window as accurate as maybe we all would hope and maybe sometimes, even Jed hopes. Sometimes it seems, you know, you wish that Jed had more of an attitude that the sun may engulf us all at any moment. And yes. we should just try to win the World Series as yeah. quickly as possible. Yeah. And maybe that is, you know, the right way to approach all of this. <laughs> is that uh, not how he looks at things? Oh. I, I, you know, I wish he did. Imagine wish... if he said that like in a press conference. <laughs> We well, made you know, the deal we... because we might all be dead soon. I, I don't know, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, let me do this ad break here before we get too off topic. Uh, Charlie the Bacon Guy, Corey. Charlie the Bacon Guy is based out of Woodridge, Illinois. He makes craft bacon and bacon jams in over 30 different flavors. The bacon and bacon jams are all natural, all naturally cured, no fancy preservatives. They're aren't any ingredients that Charlie can't pronounce himself. Involved in the process, unlike most store-bought bacon, is vacuum-sealed and freezes great. It lasts in the fridge up to 45 days and six months in the freezer. Bacon jam lasts about 60 days in the fridge or usually about 20 seconds in my house. And up to six months in the freezer, some favorites are the maple pepper, the Nashville hot, French toast, buffalo ranch, jalapeno, garlic. There's also original flavors like the bourbon, spicy, uh, peach. The bacon jam goes perfectly on anything. in scrambled eggs, toast, crackers, burgers, grilled cheese, cinnamon rolls, or Charlie's favorite, the spoon. You can pick it up the most efficient way. 
or he will deliver it to you, meet you halfway, or even ship it. He makes the bacon so you can bring it home starting now until December 15th. You can save 10% off your order at charliethebaconguy.com when you use CHGO10. Get your orders in and use that code to save. Second break here. With Empire today, you get you get to shop at home convenience, the right products for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a low price guarantee. Empire can't be beaten on quality, service, speed, or competitors. Advertise low products that Empire simply won't carry. Empire won't promise the lowest prices because anyone who does that is putting flooring in your home that they would not put in theirs. Empire's philosophy is to help you find what you need, not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. What they leave out out of their selection is as important as what they put in. Empire's product team exhaustively combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. What I like most about Empire is they have this virtual floor designer. It's a great way to see how new floors look in any space. It's easy. Just snap a picture and instantly see how new new floors will look in your room. Shopping for floors at a big box store can be frustrating. You might talk to someone today who was working in plumbing yesterday. Flooring is all Empire does. They live, they breathe flooring, just like Javi Baez lived and breathed baseball, as he used to say. So you can be confident that you're getting honest, upfront advice. Schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use promo code CHGO. Restrictions do apply. See Empire. See empiretoday.com slash CHGO for details. All right, Brendan. Um, just curious, like as we're talking about this, you know, we're talking about someone like Glass now, like what, what it, and, you know, I know your first instinct is to think about the money and, you know, plug it into this spreadsheet that I think permanently exists in your brain. It's on my desktop. Maybe right don't, now. you don't need to do that, but if you have to, it's like, let's say you trade for Tyler Glass now. And you pair it with like Jordan Montgomery and you roll with that kind of group. How do we feel about that? Yeah, I mean, that that I do like, right? You get Tyler Glass now, then you pair that with Jordan Montgomery, you get some stability, right? And innings is already on paper, more projectable than the rotation going into 2023. I'm fine with that. In my brain, Jordan Wicks is starting 25 games next year. I was talking to Greg Huss uh, on his live show a few weeks ago, and Greg basically said, this is the trajectory of pitchers that the Cubs develop by increasing the number of innings. And if you look at how they've developed Wicks, the next logical step is for him to have an innings load that corresponds to 25 starts. I mm-hmm. like that. I think Kate Horton will get around five to seven stars. That's what Greg implied as well. You can see the pitching depth being quite strong, right? And then you anchor that with Justin Steele, Tyler Glass now, Jordan Montgomery, mm-hmm. Kyle Hendricks, hopefully is healthy. But in the case some of the, those guys are not, then you still have some you still have some depth that you can make up for. Right. I would feel quite good. My concern is Montgomery is going to outprice the Cubs. And then you still have to make up for your offense and your bullpen. I don't sure. think... Unless there's some creative maneuvering, I would be quite surprised if that happens. Yeah, I mean, especially after his performance in the playoffs, I I would think he's earned himself a really nice payday that maybe that pairing with the other needs the Cubs have doesn't necessarily work. But but he's a guy you look at, obviously, with how he just performed, you know, in in helping Texas win a championship. Uh, But he's a guy... 2023, 32 starts. 2022, 32 starts. That's 2021, 
30 starts, right? Like that is the type, perhaps not to that successful of a level, but like pairing Glass now with someone like that, right? And I would be overjoyed at the work that they've done on the rotation because then you have not only replaced some of Stroman's stability, right, but you've also added that absolute high ceiling, flame throwing, strikeout getting type of top of the rotation arm that this team needs to pair with Justin Steele. So again, maybe that's too lofty, but in terms of Montgomery's consistency and reliability in those areas. Yeah. And then that takes so much pressure off of those young guys, right? Because as it's currently constructed, even if you added glass now with his sort of concerns about his durability and how much you could even stretch him out, that puts a lot of pressure on those other guys. It puts a lot of pressure on Kyle Hendricks to continue what he did last year and, and age gracefully and and be okay after the you always say the capsular tear right that's the only reason i know what it is because you say it all the time the i just said i don't know tear. he was injured a the few years ago like, i don't know <laughs> um but like you know again jordan wicks like you're gonna up his work he's gonna be doing stuff at the major league level for the first time right same with javier Assad. jameson tyone again you have higher expectations for but just puts a lot less pressure on those guys yeah, maybe it's too lofty but i don't think you know you i don't think you can ever have too much pitching depth right um and like i said you know you saw it last year with like the drew smiley stuff when you did have stroman get hurt when you had steel get hurt when you had tyone at certain points being basically un unusable right like unstartable like you need a lot of pitchers you need a lot of people to cover those innings uh it's never as simple as those first five or six right and again, like it, it helps the bullpen having reliable starters that eat innings and you can trust helps the bullpen because then you don't need three different guys to be multi-inning, you know, innings eaters and have Albert Alzali pitch literally every single day. Yeah. So that's, that's how I feel, you know, sort of about the, the rotation. I, I think there might be, there might be a time where the Cubs have to pick a lane and they can't address the offense and pitching simultaneously to the sure. to the degree that you and I would like them to. If I had to pick a lane, the 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 best lane would be Tyler Glasnow and Yamamoto. I mean that would you get well duh. Well yeah, but just hear me out for a second. So you're you... you're saying do that and like kinda don't worry about the offense if you're talking I'm saying money. do that, right? And that if Reese Hoskins is your only big offensive signing, okay. Mm-hmm. At first, I'd be like, "Ugh, I wish we could do more." But I see what you mean. if I take a step back and you start playing the whole probability game, like I always do in my brain, that still might appease me, even though that's not your the rotation direction. has the potential to be nasty. We like, have yeah. a rotation of multiple aces right. right there, so I would be okay with that, even though there's still uncertainty with you. That are team. a healthy Tyler Glass now, and an you know Bro. normally adjusting <laughs> to a new league Yamamoto away from just a monster. If you can get to September yeah. and all those guys are healthy, Yamamoto, Justin Steele, Tyler Glass now, Kyle Hendricks, right. Jameson Tyone, oh my God. And with Craig Council. Good luck right. to everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So no, I yeah, I, I I hear you on that. Um yeah, I I, I yeah, I, I agree. Um 
I will say though, as as time is going on and we're seeing the market develop, we're seeing you know Chamber uh, uh, Candelario go off the board. We're seeing a lot of teams are interested in Yamamoto services and seeing uh, Otani's potential uh, dimming for the Cubs. Although again, Maybe. it could happen. Yeah, I am starting to want Bellinger much more, right? Okay. And you're seeing some of the the context change for the Cubs. Bellinger's camp, Scott Boris, is requesting $300 million. I doubt that happens. No There's way. just no way. You look at Eduardo Rodriguez, you look at Jamer Condelario. I think those deals set the market for where Bellinger could end up between some low-end projections, like MLB Trade Rumors had him at, I think, $150 million? Maybe it wasn't right. them. Yeah, I'm like, all right. Six years, I think? Yeah, like sign me up right yeah. now. I think somewhere between 150 and 200 is where he ends up. The Dansby comparison is perfect. I think like seven years for 177 might be one year too long for Jed, but somewhere in that six-year range of 28-ish or so million, sign me up for that good base, athleticism, defense, an insurance policy for PCA. Shift over to first base if you need to. Who knows where Say and Hap will be in two, three years. He can go to the corner outfield if need be. High base with that contact. Power capacity through the roof. Max exit velocity, very high. Bellinger, as time goes on, is someone that I'm establishing a higher priority towards. Yeah, I, I'm, I've always been in on Cody. Obviously, at some of those deals, no, but they're not going to be the Cubs anyway. So we, we just. I had that, preferred you know? Soto or Tani, but you know. Oh, you would prefer Juan Soto to Cody Bellinger? I would. That's the I hot know, take very... for everybody here. And, 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 and Stop Yama- the presses. And Yamamoto and Glass now. Those are my hot Great. takes. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Let me jot this down. Brendan yeah, prefers Shohei Otani to Cody yeah. Bellinger. Don't forget Yamamoto in that. Right. No, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, a lot, lot of avenues. Uh, I do want to, we're obviously going long, um, which is risky because this episode may Has never see any, the light Have of you day. checked Twitter? Yes. Since you've been doing this? Yeah, we're good. I'm making sure. Okay. Um, hell, breaking news for us right now would be great. Like then it's not outdated. We can talk about it right now. Um, but there, there's a lot of avenues for, Jed Hoyer to take. I I did want to talk a little, you know, we were talking about Craig Council and just like um, joking about, you know, if you were able to give him just a lethal sort of pitching staff and watching him kind of work his magic on how to utilize those guys. I I did like a a quote that he had, uh, I think, from his time at the winter meetings. And I, I do just want to read it because what struck me, and I texted this to you, and I originally saw it from friend of the program, Jeff Everson. Uh, I, it just struck me. And you and I had like the same thought where I was like, I don't think David Ross is could say this. <laughs> like if he said this, I would be like, who's talking right now? So I just want to read this. Please do. Craig Council said, quote, we're solving for wins. That's it. You win with players. There are 26 players you get a chance to do that with. How you utilize them is different. What they're good at is different. If you can get one player who adds up to a lot of wins, that's helpful. There's no question about it. But you're solving for wins. That's a puzzle you're putting together. That's the hard part about roster building, and it's the challenge every team faces in an offseason with player movement. Again, it's not like, you know, it's not actual rocket science that he just laid out, but I was like reading that going like, 
this is refreshing i think like he's he's like a very smart dude like that's the that's the takeaway it's a very like boilerplate kind of reaction from me but i'm like reading it going like i I just don't know that david ross could say something like this i I, you know so he's not going to bat nick magical leadoff i think i don't think so brother i really don't yeah and and you couple that with his comments on christopher morrell right yeah and i'm watching this i'm asking myself is this the chicago cubs that i know giving christopher morrell all of his praise saying he's gonna be a stable bat maybe in they're the just lineup. drumming up his trade value maybe it is too and that's the correct council executive Craig we're council also talking about lying about meeting with <laughs> shohei otani because yeah. they're gonna get him and he's lying about planning to play christopher morrell because they're trading him <laughs> craig council has two jobs yeah manager and PR. assistant to the assistant to the yeah. gm Three jobs and PR. Right. He's doing the it all. Only three people that truly know, excuse me, four people that truly know where Shohei Otani are going. Shohei Otani himself, yep. Craig Council, yep. Jed Hoyer, Dansby Swanson. That, I bet Dansby does know. I bet he does. I, I feel like he begs to be in some of those meetings. Like, let me do it, Jed. Like, let me, you know. <laughs> Just give me one chance. Give and like with Shohei, chance. Jed's like, listen, man, like we're, we can't tell anybody about this. Like, it's just me. I'm the only person that knows about this. Like, no, no, no. Like, let me, let me sit in. Let me sit in. Yeah. I would have loved to hear the conversation between Kirk Council and Dasby Swanson, like the very first conversation. Sure. I would love that. Uh, Council did say the first... I don't know if he said the first three guys, but he didn't mention by name. He talked to Ian. He talked to Dansby. He talked to, I think he said Nico too. Probably Nico would Nico. be my guess. Yeah. It just, you know, it just made That's my day. It made my day. That's, That's the, group the group right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I imagine that Dansby got off the phone with Craig Council and like turned to his wife, Mallory, and was like, oh, let's ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, and she's man. like, "Great, I'm gonna have to listen to you on the phone with the manager for three Gosh, hours after every game, yeah. like breaking down tape or whatever it is." Dude, um, I can't wait for, for for when Dansby does play a playoff game for the Cubs with Nico, with these attitudes, with Ian, with Adriel Azulay, Justin Steele. You talk about electricity and vibes. Yeah. Oh my this god this is what everybody wants man god. like here here's the thing too like that's what i also realize about like the off season stuff and i feel like i don't know maybe i used to wade into it more on social media just like putting my thoughts out there like getting involved in every conversation i've just done so less in in this past year or last couple years cuz like one you know obviously you know i'm i'm on the, the i'm on the, i do the show with you once or twice a week i'm in the studio sometimes but like i i just feel like so much of the the court, like I, we all just want the Cubs to be good, right? And I think sometimes that almost gets lost in in the discussions, where it's like we all have the same goal. Maybe we disagree about how we get there, or you <laughs> and I differ on how important one particular player is to that goal. But like at the end of the day, what you just described is all anybody wants, right? So whether Listen. you're listening to like that beginning of our conversation, like, oh my God, shut up about Juan Soto. Who I cares? Gu- I like, guarantee plenty you of players. some people did. Of course. And you're yeah. entitled to that opinion. Go for but, it. But like at the end of the day, the only reason we're talking about that is because we just want the Cubs to win championships, which I think is the same thing all Dude. of you want. Right. This is baseball. To your point, sometimes we get lost in that. This is baseball. Like it is okay to express disappointment that we missed out on MVP caliber players. And by the way, us fans, listeners, unfortunately, the reality is 
like we really don't know the fine details and well, we never no will. And there's no stake. If you're listening, if you're, yeah, if you're listening to us and you're like, oh, like these guys know what they're talking about, like I think we do. But like you talk about reliability and confidence, you can't give both of us any reliability or confidence that we know what we're saying is objectively true in reality. Like that's just what it is. Yeah, some of us. Brendan is at least presenting you guys with numbers and graphs. I try my. I say with anything more than a grain of salt. I try my best. (laughs) I really do. But at the end of the day, I recognize that. What we say, what I put out, there's a huge degree of error, and we are fans. Let's just all accept that we're all stupid together, and we just want the Cubs to win. Yeah, but I I just thought of that because you're painting that picture, and I was like, look, like that's all anybody (laughs) wants. Like We're all going to disagree about how to get there. We're all going to disagree about how to spend somebody else's money that's none of ours, although obviously a lot of us contribute to that money, but it's not our money anymore. Uh, I got a delicious $13 beer for the privilege, right, to contribute to this these funds. But Is that how much it is now, 13 bucks for a beer? I think 12 maybe. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot. It is. It's a lot. Anyway, that's why we won Shohei Otani, right? Yeah. Charge me $20 a beer if Shohei's playing. I don't well, care. You know what I mean? listen like, to this Charge guy. me whatever you want. He's like, all right, well, if that's the case, we'll sign him tomorrow. Listen, if Shohei Otani's taking the field, I'll pay $20 for one of those hot dogs. I don't care. Sign me up right now. All right. So there you go. I'll put it in writing. You heard it first time. But ultimately, like, that's that's the thing. It's been a long time since his team has has been in the playoffs. Uh, If you want to count 2020, that's your prerogative. But there were no fans. Like, we didn't get to go to that, and it was a shortened season. So it, it counts. It was a fake season. Well, it's its own thing, right? But it's yeah. been a long time since this team has been earnest, right? Like, in the playoffs, the Wrigley Field atmosphere, everybody together for that common cause. And we miss it. We want it back. And this organization should be at a standard where we don't go this long without it, I think. So that's why so much pressure I think has been applied to this off season. And that's why the conversations are the way that they are. But yeah, there's a lot of, of different avenues, Brendan. And I think like we derailed it, but like back to your, uh, and we'll, we'll do another ad break since we're going long here. But uh, you know, the, the conversation on Christopher Morell, um, getting back to even just counsel. Like I read that quote, cause I was just thrilled listening to him. Like, obviously, you know, these are some of his first sort of like public, appearances and discussions and stuff like that as the Cubs manager. And I just love listening to him talk about baseball. It's, it's exciting. It really is. Like we were excited to get him, but like now watching him day to day and things like that, like I'm quite excited to have him as the manager and to continue hearing his thoughts on things and how he processes things and everything that's going into some of his decisions. But speaking on the Morel thing specifically, he has been playing some third base in the winter league, right? I think he's been leading off in a lot of those games and, you know, hearing counsel say that it's important for him to be on the field. It's important for him to find a defensive position. We heard that, I think, from Carter Hawkins. I think we've heard it from Jed. We've heard it from everybody under the sun, right? Uh, That is another potential, like, variable, right, as you go into this year. Like, let's say they enter the year and say, you know what? He's shown us enough He's going to work at third base every day. He is going to be our third baseman, right? We're not going to spend the money on an over 30 and declining Matt Chapman, right? We're not going to swing a trade for somebody. We're not going to do this platoon with four different people thing. It's Christopher Morell's job and his job to lose 
And, it, you know, obviously yeah. you would have to put in some work to do that, but we believe in that bat. We need it on the field. We need that athleticism. That's a, a potentially huge sort of like without knowing the rest of the offseason, if we took that as true today, like that's what they're going to do. I mean, talk about a massive swing potential, right, for how this season goes. Because if he does figure out how to play third base, he dials in that throwing angle, his athleticism, his speed, obviously there's a lot of potential, man. Like you and I have talked about him and his swing, his contact rate, his K rate, all this over and over and over again. But like the adjustments he's made and still only being 24 years old, I would be very excited about the potential for them to sort of say like, we are committing to him. I'm into it, honestly. Yeah. I. This is kind of like a nerdy thing to say, but uh, <laughs> from you, sorry, man. But like, I actually I was thinking about this today when I was listening to to uh, the the show the guys did in Nashville, and they had Kirk Council audio on, and Council was talking about how Morales deserved the opportunity to be in the lineup. He used the word deserved. He also gave comparisons about not having a position could be a fine thing and look no further than Mookie Betts, who he referenced explicitly. The nerdy thing I was going to say, though, when Council brought up the whole deserved thing is... I, I didn't... I, that quote didn't really ring. It didn't... I read that quote about Betts in the positional yeah. verse. It didn't really ring to me. This, but the, what, I'm, what I'm trying to express, if you look at the conversation we're having, Morell was not even in the radar where we're talking about him deserving to be in the lineup where Kirk House is using positional flexibility, comparing the flexibility of a very high potential player in the same way that Mookie Betts has that assigned positional flexibility and the 30 home run power that Morell has. Here's what I'm trying to say. There are times when you watch Christopher Morell and he's at the plate and he's spitting on pitches low and away. He's taking pitches. He's working at bats. He's working the count full, fouling off pitches and finishing them with opposite field power. And he looks like one of the best hitters in the league. And it's those, those rare flashes that we've seen that I don't see from many other players. And the nerdy thing that I'm bringing up is if there's a way to capture that in some data form and project players and their trajectory, I imagine those small glimpses, those max optimal brief performances have predictive value in guys reaching their ceiling. I really do believe that. If you look at like max exit velocity, typically... Max exit velocity is more informative than some other hard hit metrics. The capacity to hit the ball further. I imagine if you can capture movement data, how someone takes a pitch, whether they're off balance, if you're diving forward, if your knees are buckling, if you're taking in certain instances five, six, seven pitch at best with certain emotional context. Morel does this every now and then. And then that's why I start thinking like, Man, you can't really project this guy. I've always said this. He looks at times like the most patient guy with tons of power. You cannot project this guy. So there is always a side of me where it's like, I want to just start that that evolutionary process fast and just let him iterate, adjust, adjust, adjust. And the way I'm willing to do this or how I prefer to do this, I've said this for like a year and a half, just 
accept some of the risk, account for that in other players, but play the guy 80% of the time at third base. I even used that phrase last year. Let him go through that process. Let him fail. Let him suck. Let him at times frustrate you as a fan and me as a fan, but let him do that by accounting for that and getting more assurity in other positions. Because if Morel breaches that top tier potential, man, you're talking about a hole that is worth hundreds of millions of dollars that yes. you don't have to spend. Absolutely. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I, and I wanted to discuss that because obviously there's been so many discussions in the past. Now, obviously a, a lot of those discussions were guys uh, that had not had time at the major league level, right? Like we talked about Matt Mervis, uh, you know, coming into this year, right? Having not gotten the experience in 2022, we talk about PCA now, right? About like, yeah, he got a little bit of a cup of coffee, but it was a weird role. And like, who knows what they're counting on him for heading into immediately like 2024, right? Like straight away. Like I have no idea how they're planning to manage that playing. If they're going to give him center field, if it's a split with him and Talkman, Bellinger, I, who knows, right? I, I have no idea. Morell though is like, Obviously, he's had much more major league experience than those guys. So as I said, it's a different thing. But I think he just represents, he deserves that opportunity, right? And if they don't want to commit big money or make a big trade to fill the third base hole and they want to say, we're letting this guy try it, I believe that he has earned that, right? And certainly there's questions about the defense and, you know, maybe how he continues to adjust as a hitter. But I think unlike some of these other ones where there was just like too much of a question because you hadn't seen them at the major league level or when they were up, they didn't perform the way you wanted, et cetera, et cetera. It's like I would be comfortable with them not addressing yeah. third base if their way of addressing it was it's Christopher Morels. He deserves the shot. If he can't iron out the throwing, they'll probably have a good idea of that by the time they get to Mesa. And right, you right. offset that risk in big-time acquisitions, right? That way you shrink down the uncertainty or reliability, as you say, and you can afford a worst-case outcome for Christopher Morell, which right. is pretty – it's a bad at worst-case outcome, by the way. That, sure. that should yeah, not be a guy be with a high K rate. Yeah, It's a bad worst-case outcome. Yeah. But – you sign Bellinger, you get Hoskins, you go over that third tier of attacks, you lose a few draft picks. Maybe that's the way to do it. As crazy as losing some draft pick uh, uh, capital sounds, maybe honestly, as crazy as that sounds, is the best path forward for competitiveness. Going over, spending $300 million, going over that tax, costing Tom all that money. Maybe truly that is the best way to maximize your revenue and maximize your chances of winning in the future. Maybe it is. I don't know. All right, try to do this last ad break here. Sure. All right. Uh, Corey, I was in Chicago last week, which, by the way, the entire CHGO crew left. They left the state of Illinois the, the week I was in Chicago. I, I could have gone in the studio, and everyone's, everyone's the, gone. The winter meetings, but yeah. yeah. True. I, I mean, I didn't give that a fair uh, that trade off from that's, them, that's fair. Yes, that's fair. But I was in, when I was in Chicago, I ate way too many deep dish pizza, too many hot dogs. I need a oh, low carb it. option like Hero Bread. Corey. I need it. Hero bread, this bread is soft, fluffy, delicious, tasty, flavorful, scrumptious, but it's also high in fiber. It has all ultra low net carbs, zero sugar per slice. You can get this using the code CHGO for 10% off 
at hero.co. Hero makes sliced breads, these healthy breads, low-carb options, buns, tortillas, which I heard that's what Luke Stuckmeyer likes to eat. You can get all these, again, at hero.co and Amazon. Right now, Hero Bread is offering, again, the CHGO fam 10% off your first order. Go to hero.co, use code CHGO to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% off today. And if you need the perfect bag for game day, you want to put your Hero Bread in, Varsity Coolers will have you set game day and beyond with the best portable cooler and weekend duffel around. They have a unique design. They have team colors like the Chicago Bears colors, which if you're watching on our YouTube feed here, you can see in the bottom left, it's a beautiful bag. This bag also doubles as a cooler. It's waterproof, double insulated, and you can travel with and use this as a travel duffel. It also fits in a golf cart or as a carry-on luggage. It's the perfect Christmas or Hanukkah or holiday gift. 21 teams are represented in addition to the Bears. So it's the perfect gift for any football fan in your life and built to show up in style to a party or repping around town. Head over to varsitycoolers.us. Use code CHGO for 10% off your order. All right, Brendan, uh, we can wrap up here. Uh, you know, again, like it's sort of disjointed, right? Because there's a lot of avenues left. I mean, that's the thing. You know, there's a lot of different ways for the Cubs to address some of their needs or not address some of those needs, right? Uh, and I think that third base situation is is clearly one of those, right? Like Morell's name has been tossed around in all sorts of hypothetical trade packages from varying degrees of sources, Right. And talked about as needing to be on the field for the Chicago Cubs, right? And so that's where you hear like certain things like Matt Chapman or, you know, everybody's lofty dream of like trading for Jose Ramirez, things like that. Like, who knows what's Only possible? delusional people think that. I am delusional. Okay. Well, that's true. But, you know, it's just one of those things where like there's so many different ways for them to approach this. And you, you know, gauge kind of the fan reaction and the pulse of things. And there's... Some folks who are still holding out hope for an absolute A-plus of an offseason. And I see people who are like, I've seen this movie before. They're going to say they tried on Otani. They submitted an offer on Soto. But then they're going to say, Reese Hoskins, how exciting is everybody, right? Like, I don't know. Depends where you fall. It's a weird part of that offseason where there's a lot of potential left. Uh, so we'll see what Jed's doing, um, you know, per usual we don't really hear a lot of connection too much for certain guys uh, as Jed kind of typically keeps it that way. So we'll see if uh, some of these guys that have been named, I feel like we've been hearing Tyler Glass now forever, right? At this point, and, it has to happen. Right. It, and yeah. it, it just seems like one of those things. But, you know, you go back to last offseason, right? Like we heard a lot about Jose Abreu, you know, and that never even seemed to be a real thing. So who knows, right? At the end of the day, I think, you know, my stated goals have stayed the same. I think yours and I think most people's, right? Like I want a better team than last year. And I want a team that there's just no question that they're the best team in a division that is really easy 
should be for a team with their resources to just be dominating right now. Like we've lived through periods where the idea of dominating the NL Central is very difficult, right? Like there's been some very good teams in this division. That time is not right now. You may you may not get your answer, by the way. But on what? You may not have your desire to be the obvious best central winner. Oh, Seriously. Sure. Yeah. And I would be disappointed in that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, you, it, it, the, I, I think you, you know what I mean, though. Like, if you exist right now in the AL East saying, like, I need to feel like we are unquestionably the prohibitive favorite, it's like, good luck. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's any number of 95 plus win teams in that division at any second of the day, right? Like, that is not what this division is like. Like, put in a serious effort, put in a serious offseason, and you should be the prohibitive favorite to win the NL Central. You would think so. I mean, the Reds are making so. moves, but I hope so. I, I mean, it might it might take more than you think is what I'm trying sure. to say. Yeah, absolutely. But that's where I want him to be. Like, I, I, Brendan, I, I, I can't be in a race for the third wild card spot again. That almost killed me. Really uh, did. Uh, again, if I want to be negative here, which I can no. be negative. If I want to be negative here, Jed might look at the win projection. He may not care about the division versus the wild card because you're gonna have to play that stupid three game series whatever it is anyway. if you're thinking you can't catch atlanta and la yeah so he's like you know what i'm not gonna spend the extra 15 million and we're gonna see what happens we'll go by the trade deadline we might make a move by then but going into the year you may not get your wish and jed may not look at this team like you know what doesn't make sense to spend that money because this is the, this is the win projection as it stands right now good times man <laughs> Well, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Um, no, but I, I think that's what we have. Um, you know, as I've said before, like I'm hoping at, at some point we have, you know, a new player to break down. And yeah. Realistically, 